And a warm welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for uh, being with me today. We're going to have a fantastic conversation with Philip Shorey. He's written a book called Kill Your Art, A Street Performer's Guide to Being a Messenger of Jesus Christ. I had Philip in the studio a couple of days ago, and I'm excited for you to hear this. This is a fascinating story of very humble beginnings uh, as a, a street performer and what the Lord has led him into as a result And if you are a performer or you know someone who is or you have uh, been given gifts from God, use them for the service of the kingdom. Let's take a little break and we'll bring on Philip. Welcome back to the show. I'm awfully glad to uh, be welcoming into the studio Philip Shorey. He's an all-around interesting guy, and I don't say that very often. He's written a book called Kill Your Art, A Street Performer's Guide to Being a Messenger of Jesus Christ, and lots more. Philip, welcome. Thank you. All right. I'm so curious to hear about your uh, your journey. Let's start with uh, what got you interested in uh, in media way back when. Um, all right. Well, I grew up traveling around the country as uh, in a family. We did puppet shows and magic shows throughout the 1980s. I lived in a camper with my, with my brother, my family, and we traveled. And I saw God move in really strong, powerful ways through those what we called kids crusades, uh-huh. lighthouse ministries, doing clowns and puppets and balloons, and and I just I discovered God in a real way at, as a kid then. Started taking piano lessons, you know, did the whole music thing, and then I uh, grew up in kind of the the alternative music scene. Uh, fell in love with film scoring in high school. Um, didn't want to do the puppet thing anymore, you know. Felt like I wanted to. If I ever wanted a girlfriend, maybe puppets <laughs> wasn't the right way. So music seemed to be better. Um, so went into theater. I, I, my dream was I I, I got into. Film scoring, it was the Kronos Quartet and the Philip Glass on Dracula, like that album that King Kong, Max Steiner, uh, old classic horror films okay. really got me into it. And then got, moved to Minneapolis, went to, went to college, and uh, just kind of got into the theater scene here in Minneapolis as a film composer. Worked in an underground pagan like theater. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the time I was... Uh, partnering with this missions organization, Steiger International, which was just a, a growing movement of artists that wanted to share the gospel through the arts. And uh, so I felt like this was safe. Like I, I was in this theater, I was working as a composer, and they loved this. I had this natural inkling to write creepy circus music and creepy cabaret music, and I just naturally was drawn to that. So they And they asked me to write uh, music for um, an old... Uh, traveling circus. They wanted to share the gospel through this punk rock circus called Madness of Folly. And that really blew my mind because I wanted God to use my gifts. But I, you don't normally hear cre- creepy circus music in worship context. <laughs> you know, so I didn't know how God would really use my gifts. And so this evangelistic circus, that want, this punk rock kind of evangelistic, evangelistic circus took off. And I was working as a composer at this theater in Minneapolis and then I saw puppets again, and I thought, wow, you know, puppets. And it's not just for kids, but they're 
in Minneapolis, they're for adults as well, and they have very strong messages, uh, um, not always good, but like very strong, mature content. And I thought, wow, I mean, I used to do that as a kid, and if if they can make puppet shows, why can't I make puppet shows? And so I developed a, a suitcase puppet show. I was I was work, working with a director, and he kind of inspired me uh, with some suitcase shows that he did in Mexico. And and then I thought, okay, well, I need uh, some puppets. And I asked my grandpa if he still had his marionettes from the 1960s, which I'm actually the fourth generation puppeteer to use puppets to share the gospel. And he still had them. So he gave them to me. So I got these vintage marionettes. And then I just asked the theater, can I do my show at your theater? And and it's my theater, too. I was one of the main composers writing music for their musicals. Everyone knew me. And I told them it's a a Bible story. But they were like, hey, we like controversy. So, yes, please bring your puppet show into this theater here in Minneapolis. And this was back in 2002, by the way, a long time ago, 2003 maybe. But um, so I did that, and uh, a riot broke out. People were really upset. I did the story of Saul's conversion, and people were throwing beer bottles at me and screaming at me, and and I just, I, you know, it was shocking. It was just a puppet show, right? But it wasn't. It had a message that was really, really, really strong. And um, the owner of the theater stood up for me, and she said, hey, we accepted him, we invited him. If you have an issue, you can talk to us about it. And uh, then everyone sat down and was like, wow, I mean, we're, we're supposed to be tolerant towards everybody in every message, I guess, but we're, why can't we acknowledge and accept this Christian puppet show? And for a theater that was known for controversy and known for intense art, for, uh, pushing the boundaries of what's normal, this puppet show was the most radical, controversial thing they'd ever seen. And uh, I didn't know that at the time, and I just wanted to share what was inspiring me as an artist, you know, what what impacted me. Um, so that's just the, the, the beginning of my journey uh, where I started to realize, okay, puppets can p- have a punch, uh, art speaks, um, there's a place for this, and from there I... I did more stuff. I took it to Brazil and and continued my journey um, as a performing artist. All right. I'm going to dial back to 2002, and you're doing this puppet show, and, and there's this outrage, okay? Yeah. Now, a couple of things would, I would think that you did it very well. A, you're good with puppets because you've been doing them for a long time. I try. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I'm guessing this was beautifully crafted, well-presented and and it wasn't in the least bit schlocky. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're you're killing it with content and with uh, your craft. Mm-hmm. And so you've delivered excellence, mm-hmm. which is really exciting. Mm-hmm. Now you've got the controversy. To me, this is a perfect perfect situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've always done my best, you know, and I've always tried to do my art in a language that will speak to the audience the clearest that I want to speak to. And that, for me, is falling in love with the people that I want to share God's love with and letting my heart just break for them and just understanding their culture and just getting to know them and as people and as friends. 
And uh, so this particular show at the time, the Suitcase Sideshow is what I called it, um, it had a very DIY feel to it. Um, and to some people, it looks kind of, you know, cobbled together. But that was that's the scene. Like, that, a lot of the puppeteers in that area, like, they find their, their stuff out of dumpsters and, you know, just kind of paper mache and you know and and but they make incredible stuff out of it you know and you just doing your best but like it there's a craft to that scene that people really can tell like that's that's our scene like that's our craft and so yeah i mean marionettes are part of that and and i just did my best and still everything i do i want to make sure i'm speaking the language that will reach people and and have the high level of excellence that they that the audience expects to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm curious, Philip, how long was that particular show? What was the running time on that? Oh, that was a 12 minute show. Okay, and I used that particular show as the story of Saul's conversion. Okay, and um, th- I used that show for a couple of years, and I toured it to Brazil and Eastern Europe, and I translated it into Portuguese, Romanian, Polish, a few other languages, and I've had other shows that I've toured since as well. And you're the uh, presenter and operator of these shows. Yes. I, yeah. Yep. With the suitcase sideshow, I'm the presenter. The I speak at the end. I'm the composer. I write the music for it. Um, so I I met my wife in Germany on one of those tours with that show, and lo and so, behold, she <laughs> is uh, uh, great at puppets. She she never done it before. Wow. But she's from Minneapolis or grew up in Wisconsin. Going to the U. We met in Germany. And then she joined, and we we turned it into our our thing together. That we've tra- traveled all over the world doing shows with the Suitcase Sideshow. So it yeah. was the puppets that helped you nail the love of your life. It was. Yeah, it was. You thought that the was puppets the were going to keep you from it. That's that's the surprise. <laughs> that's how you know it's God. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, let me take a little break. Philip Shorey is my guest. Uh, we're chatting about his book, Kill Your Art: A Street Performer's Guide to Being a Messenger of of Jesus Christ. And we're also just talking about his very interesting life. We're going to take a uh, really 90-second break. We'll be right back. Shorey, his book, Kill Your Art, A Street Performer's Guide to Being a Messenger of Jesus Christ. What an interesting career you've had, Philip. And I'm wondering, so you did this puppet ministry, but you really are more, I think of you more of a, of a musician, but maybe that's not what you would consider your principal um, occupation? Um, okay, so, you know, music has always been the part of my life, and... It's been more of my passion than okay. puppetry. Okay. Uh, puppetry came kind of sidewind, you know, hit me from the side and then came back, you know, and I'm the fourth generation. But music has always been there, and music is what I fell in love with, and especially film 
film scoring right. and film composition, orchestral music. Um, so that was my dream to go to school, be a film composer, go to Hollywood. And so in, in writing music and theater, like this theater I was telling you about where I perform my show, that was like a step to get some experience, you know, in, in theater and write some musicals. But um, so, yeah, so I was in, in school at IPR. I went to school at IPR downtown um, in 2005, 2006. And I went there to be a film composer. Um, but I, I was doing music on the side, you know, at this theater. And I developed my suitcase sideshow while at school as well. And this group that asked me to make this evangelistic circus, they wanted me to go to uh, Brazil and take this suitcase sideshow to Brazil as well. So I had all these little projects going on with my my marionettes while I was in school to be a film composer. And so the riot happened. I did, you know, that that was that was crazy and I went back what to riot? then I went to school at the at the theater that I told oh, you yeah, about. Oh yeah, that riot. Okay. Yeah, my first show. My first show with the suitcase side I thought show. of that as a street fight of some kind, not a riot. <laughs> when they're throwing things at you, I think you start <laughs> you can <laughs> categorize right. it as a riot. All right. Um so then I had spring break, so I scheduled – I was going to go to Brazil on this servant missions trip with this bike club that I, I was working with, the Steiger um, missions uh, group. And I went – I brought my show to Brazil on spring break, and I was it was fun. I've never been to Brazil before, but the moment I get there, it was intense, and I'm with these ladies from the church. We're walking our route, and we're serving the poor. We did our show in um, orphanages and in streets with kids sniffing glue. Uh, and then they asked me to do a show in a brothel and if I would be willing to do that. And I always felt like this is a show that needs to go some places where nothing else can. And I'll, that, that's the calling of it. And if I'm given an opportunity like this, I should meet it. Even if it could be the end of me or the end of the show, like this is, this is crazy, you know, like, so I, I said, yes, if you'll have me. And I couldn't believe it, too, that they would even ask me. Can you imagine, like, they go, go into these brothels to serve the women there, regularly building relationships, and then they want to trust me, this this kid with a marionette show, with those relationships to do a performance in the brothel? That could that wreck they're everything quickly. To, could wreck everything. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I... And I I knew that because I took my show into my theater, you know, right. and it could wreck everything. Mm-hmm. It didn't, but it could. And, or at least it could challenge your definition of success for sure. So I was surprised that they would ask me and I thought, this is God, you know, this is definitely God. So we went into the brothel, we did four shows and we presented the gospel before about 60 prostitutes and the pimps were okay with it. They said, if the women have to work, they have to work. Some of them said to the men, you have to see this show before you can do business here. Some of them said to me, the the pimps, please pray that these women get out of here. And these pimps are like old ladies. They're not, I don't, I didn't meet the higher ups, but the older ladies kind of, they really care for the the girls there. And it's a job to them. Uh, So they really care about the girls and they don't want them to be there. Uh, except for one who was a Mukumba witch doctor, and she did not like the church ladies coming in and, and visiting and building relationships with the, the ladies that were working. It's just like the Mukumba witch doctors. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. 
But she was okay with the puppet show. She's okay with the puppet show. So she's like, everyone else is getting a puppet show on their floor. Come on up and do your show for, for me. Okay. So we did our story of Saul's conversion for, before about 20 prostitutes and this Makumba witch doctor and led them all in prayer. And we stood up and we talked and like made the, the relationships and the connections with the local church ladies even better. And it was just, it blew our minds. We walked out of that brothel just feeling like, wow, what did God just do with this creepy puppet show? you know, in the brothel. And, and it just, I went home from that spring break. Like, what am I doing in school? Like I'm, I want to be a film composer, but actually what I want to do is change the world. You know, I want to make a difference in the world. And maybe it could be that a simple little puppet show could impact the world way better than my pursuit at the Hollywood rat race as a film composer and a career in that. And I made the decision right then that I I think I need to be going and using art to share the gospel. And if it's in the street as a street performer with marionettes, kill your art, you know, die to yourself, pick up your cross, follow Jesus, then so be it. And I had an opportunity at the end of school to work with a, a film composer named Bob Jenkins uh, on a on a film uh, and work with him or an intern with him or go on tour with No Longer Music, this evangelistic rock opera traveling the, uni- traveling the world, the, the Middle East and, and Europe and really be mentored and learn more of what it means to use your art to share the gospel. And I chose, uh, I chose to go with No Longer Music and I never looked back and I did evangelistic street performance in jails and you know, shelters, safe housing, uh, juvenile jails, festivals, uh, any kind of crazy refugee camps, elderly homes uh, all over the world, translating my show into over 10 languages and traveling with the the street performance and the suitcase sideshow. And by the end of that, not the end, but in the most recent years, I, I realized I need to document what I've learned. I need to document these stories so I, I wrote the book, Kill Your Art, A Street Performer's Guide to Being a Messenger of Jesus Christ. And really what it is, is it is like die to yourself, uh, kill your art so it can truly live. You know, um, it comes from John twelve twenty four. unless a seed goes into the ground and dies, then it will produce much fruit. So I want fruit and real eternal success to come from my art, not just fleeting fans, not just a pat in the back not just to climb a ladder, but I want like real success, eternal success, fruit um, from the spirit to come from my art. And to do that, we have to be willing to surrender it and kill it sometimes, let it die. And so surrender back to the creator so it can truly live and really have that kind of fruit that we know that we can't do, but he can do through it if we let him. So this little suitcase sideshow you had no idea this would become the little show that could and did and is. Yeah. I mean, their outreach has been incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And this starts with a phone call to Grandpa. Hey, do you still have those marionettes? Yeah. <laughs> I think I could use them. Yep. Yeah, they have a new life. Yeah. They were just sitting in a little basement. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so it's pretty cool. I mean, I, I'm just surprised. I'm honored, you know, and, and I had, because of also my musical past and kind of getting into some of the alternative uh, scenes, 
in high school. I had sort of a hard time with relating to my family. They're a very like missional family, and I didn't see myself as as such. Uh, but it was realizing I'm the fourth generation to use marionettes to share the gospel and and all of that, and then doing it. That I, I had this rekindled connection with my family that like really brought a lot of healing to me. Um, so it was really. I mean, it was a ministry to the world, you know, a ministry to showing God's love to the world. But it was also a real touching ministry to me to bring healing to me and my family and and show me that God sees me and that, you know, that he can use me in my bizarre ways and in his bizarre ways um, and showing me that I am uh, in line and with my family. And, and, and nowadays, I, I don't see that as the goal. At the time, I was, you know, I was young and I was trying to figure out where do I fit? Like, where am I, you know, and who am I, where did I come from? And all those questions you ask as a young 20-something. Um, but now I realize, you know, what better opportunity do we have just to be a part of the family of God, you know, and not to idolize or, you know, any kind of family or any relationship or any person, but just who are you as an image bearer of, of Christ, you know, uh, and being a part of that family, that family of God, uh, is more important than anything, and that's a that's a father that won't fail you, and I've seen that many many times. Oh, it's beautiful, Philip Shorey's my guest. We're going to take a short break, but when we come back, we're going to continue chatting about his life and his book called "Kill Your Art: A Street Performer's Guide to Being a Messenger of Jesus Christ." I want to dig into that book, and we come back. We'll be back uh, after a short break. to the show. I have Philip Shorey in studio. He's written a book called Kill Your Art, and I am dying to hear more about it. Uh, this is a collection of a lot of your experiences that you've had uh, traveling and performing, and you figured, I-, I need to put these together in a book, make them available to other people to read and be inspired, huh? Yeah, well, it takes you through the creative journey uh, of being inspired and your, what's your motivation, and just starts out really philosophical, and then it moves on to like more practical if you're a street performer it's not just for street performers it's for any kind of artist mm-hmm. not even specifically for performance arts but really any kind of artist can l- under- learn what it means to surrender your art to the creator of the universe um so yeah so it takes you through that creative journey i love that concept i mean it's a lot of people who have god-given talent want to do anything but serve god with it mm-hmm. they want fame and fortune yeah. Yeah, I I I do gravitate in Romans 12 where it says they they worship and serve created things rather than the creator who is worthy of praise. I love that scripture and it it it's, it's just our human nature to fall in love with the created the created things, you know, with what we can touch versus fall in love with the creator and 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 forget that the creator can do way more with our art because that's where it comes from 
than what we can on our own. So uh, collaboration. So one thing I talk about a lot is collaboration, where it's like if you're a, if you're a, a theater musician, you're collaborating with a director, you're collaborating with with artists, musicians, all these different collaborations. This is a normal thing as an artist to collaborate with people. Um, but we as Christ creatives and as creative uh, artists, we get to collaborate with the creator of the universe, you know? And, and how much better is that? Like he does love and joy. He does peace. He does forgiveness. He does salvation better than anybody else. And there's a lot of people claiming to do salvation, but he does it the best. <laughs> and if we want that in our art, we want to show that in through our art, we got to learn how to collaborate with the creator of the universe. And this is, this is hard because if you know what collaboration is like, it's, it requires sacrifice. You don't always get your will, your way. You don't always get your vision. You have to learn the art of compromise and negotiation. And that is discipleship, learning to compromise and, and follow and be led and and see the bigger picture. Yeah, that's kind of why it's rare when creative teams get along. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've um, seen it many, many, many times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard. Especially it, as a project grows in success. Yeah. 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 A lot of pride, a lot of ego gets involved. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. Philip, let's talk a little bit about heart over art. I know you've touched on that already a little bit, but I'd love Mm. for you to say some more about that. Oh, I love that one. Oh, man. Uh, Heart over art. So I I hear a lot in Christian circuits that, you know, Christian art is bad. And or if you compare it to other art, that it's not it's not so good. Um, but I see in scripture that, that there's a place for excellence, obviously, and always is and doing your very, very best as an under, unto the audience of one for a king, not because, uh, any reason, just because he deserves it. Right. Um, but we have to also redefine success and that the most important thing that when the they were they were called to create this temple, this beautiful work of art, or the or the ark, you know, the ark of the covenant, this incredible sculpture, or or even the ark, Noah's ark, you know, architecturally way beyond people's uh, imaginations at the time. It was fueled out of obedience. It wasn't just to make something beautiful or to be awesome and cutting edge, you know, maybe to soak your pride in. But it was actually fueled out of obedience to do exactly what God was asking. And sometimes that is something crazy amazing that the world is going to look at and be like, wow, that blows my mind. Like Bach, right? Sometimes it's going to be something simple and not so crazy cutting edge like Gideon's army of 300 up against 10,000. Sometimes it'll be a boy feeding thousands of people with just a few loaves and fishes. So it's, you can't judge Christian art by worldly terms of success. You have to judge it based on eternal success and what is being obedient to God at that time. And oftentimes the, the small things are what gives God's the glory the most because we have to understand it was, it's him, it's his power that makes it amazing. It's him that led Gideon to to win that battle against 10,000 with just 300 soldiers. It's him that fed the thousands of people with a few loaves and fishes. 
And no boy, no leader can get the credit for that. We, he know, we have to all know that God gets the glory when that happens. And I, that's what I love about um, the Suitcase Sideshow, that, like, yes, we do it. We do our best. Yes, it's excellence. But it's still a street performance. It's still a suitcase theater. But that doesn't matter when the Holy Spirit fills it and, and touches someone's heart based on the, the power of the show or the, the, the truth of the, of the content. Um, so that's why I say heart over art. It's not a, it's not a cop-out. It's not a means to say, oh, you don't need to do very, very much you know, practice or you don't need to work really hard. Uh, it's not to say that we should just settle for bad art or whatever because even though God looks at the heart, the world does not. The world wants to see your best, right? And, we, and God deserves your best. But it is redefining success. And, and for the little guy and the kid in his living room that's just trying to learn something on the iPad or figure out how to draw, don't underestimate yourself and say, oh, I can't do something until it's like super great. No, give what you have right now to God and let see what he can do with it. And don't be afraid of that because he can do a lot with a little. And it's the heart that he looks at. I love it. So, Philip, I would love to hear a little bit of what the presentation from start to finish would look like. The The show itself is 12 minutes. Um, I, we have oh, we've you, had different shows. Okay. That one was 12 minutes. Let, let's just let's take that one, well. for example. Uh, so uh, from setup time to gather the crowd time to perform time to message after time, just I'd love to hear what that looks like. Um, yeah, well, it's it's always different depending on where we are okay. or, or who we're performing for or what's the environment. It, uh, do we need to... Are we working with some locals that have relationships? Do we need to establish some relationships? So we're very, it's an intimate show. So we're very keen on like getting to know people and, and inviting them to this show that's a sanctuary maybe for what they're experiencing at the moment. Uh, or and then there's the setup and the performance and then drawing people in. It's a level playing street performance is so unique because the the line between performer and audience is very small. You know, you're on the same level, you know. And then when something crazy starts to happen, I almost feel like I'm the audience and I get to see what God is doing or how people are re- reacting. And I've got stories for that. But afterwards, after the show is just, you know, talking to people, shaking their hands, engaging with them. And because it's not meant for huge numbers like 50 to a couple hundred maybe if you pack them in or depending on the room or wherever we are um you can meet people you can talk to them you can hear their lives you know they can respond you can easily plug them into local people if they're not already um so it's fun you know that but i've seen some crazy stuff happen so for example uh we did a show in romania in uh, an institution for kids that were beaten as younger kids, chained to beds on mm-hmm. Ceausescu. Really heavy story. Sorry, I'll go heavy. But it's it's really a really good story. Um, this is a very heavy place, and not no other art goes there. You know, nobody goes there. I try to forget that it even happened. And, and we did our show there. So first, the locals bring us in. They know the kids. And the room comes in, and we start playing like a saw and bow. You know, I, I, my grandpa taught me how to play the musical saw. So I play this, this like angelic kind of violin opera kind of sounding saw with a violin bow. 
And it's just like David's harp, you know, like moth to the flame. Like, what is that? Capture their attention, build some awe, a surprise, maybe Skillshare, teach them how to do it a little bit, play them some music, lighten the atmosphere, and then we start our show. And during the show, they're crying, they're laughing, they're, they're pointing fingers. And then after the show, I, I shared, you know, this, this is what, what God does. He gives even a murderer like Saul a second chance. What can he do here? And one of the kids stands up and says, we don't believe what, can ha- what happened there can happen here because it's, this place is too evil. The principles beat us. And some other kids said, I want to believe that this can happen I mean, when they start, started talking about the principles, they left. And the kids just, like, swarmed around us, you know. And we gave them a voice. They're, they they are in a place where they are not ever listened to at that time, at least. They, we gave them a voice, and they spoke out. And it turned into a little bit of a tension, you know, and a good tension. And they're showing us scars and things and blood and 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 like grabbing at us and we're getting a little, it's getting a little crazy. They're telling us their stories and I just wanted to cry, but like, I can't comprehend what they're going through there. You know, I just, I've never experienced that and I can't pretend like I have, but I just wanted to cry. And I eventually just told this one girl, her name was Simona. I'm like, listen, I, I can't understand what you're telling me. I've never experienced this. But I know who can, and that's Jesus, because he was beaten too, and he never did anything wrong. And he understands what you're going through. And he's here. He's listening. He knows you by name. And she put her, her, this bracelet on me. She's like, don't ever forget, you know? Mm. And it's just like this touching moment where you're impacting these kids and you're just trying to show them God's love by bringing them a moment of sanctuary, by bringing them to Christ and, you know, showing them that they're not forgotten. And that they're worth this. They're worth this time. Um, there was one of the kids started a Bible study there. You know, we returned a few years later, and he started a Bible study, and they're they're praying for us. I mean, I can't believe it. I get prayed for by these kids that um, are just the world thinks they're nothing, you know. But God sees them, and these kids pray for us, and and then um, I have hope for this place too. Uh, I have hope. I, I did a show, a street performance in a nearby village another time, and I actually saw one of the workers that I recognized from that uh, institution. And she came up after the show. She wanted to receive Christ, and she prayed with us in the streets. And I've seen that happen before. I did a show in a, 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 a youth juvenile jail in Poland and saw the leadership come to Christ and then years later returned, and the whole place was different. There was flowers on the table and curtains in the windows and a priest playing electric guitar with a kid in the, on drums in a jail cell. You know, like you could tell they were, it was not just a place of holding. It was a place of restoration. And they told me that as a result of your show, and some of the workers also saw No Longer Music on that same, on another tour, but that same summer, that they got a heart for those kids. And they started to turn that place around and God entered that place as not just a holding place, but just a real place of hope. And that's that's what we can do. That's what it's all about. It's an incredible story. I am 
I'm just loving this. Uh, Philip Shorey is my guest. His book is called Kill Your Art. And we're going to take a short break, and we will be right back. I know you're loving this. Welcome back. Philip Shorey is in my studio, and Kill Your Art is his book, A Street Performer's Guide to Being a Messenger of Jesus Christ. And what uh, what a powerful story you just told. That was incredible. Now, I'd love to move on a little bit, uh, just because we've got not that much time left about your film scoring uh, opportunities and what you've done recently. Yeah. I Talk about a shock and something coming out of completely left field. You know, I... I went to school to be a film composer, and I that was my passion, my dream. And then I realized, really, I, my dream was to really change the world, like impact the world. And so I forgot about the whole film, film scoring thing and really had nothing to do with it. Uh, and then a few years ago, I saw Nosferatu at a, at a theater in, here in town, and I fell in love with that movie a long time ago. This is an old classic horror film, one of the first vampire films from 1922. It's silent, so it's usually performed with musicians. And I, I've performed that that film with my accordion, inviting friends over to my house, all huddled around a campfire, you know, stuff, just funny stuff. And I saw the film in school, and it brought me to tears. And I'd seen it before, but for some reason I, I saw it in class, and I started crying, and I saw the gospel in it really strong, and it filled the room for me. It was a really impactful moment, and I felt God say, like, do something with this someday. I didn't know what um, but or when. So that was like, you know, 2004, 2003, a long time ago. And then uh, I was watching it again here a few years ago with another band playing some music to it, and I thought, hey, this is good music. It's good. It's okay. You know, it's really entertaining. But some the interpretation that the composer had on the film was way different than how I would have interpreted the film. I could tell his worldview as I watched the film and how he interpreted the vampire, how he interpreted, uh, you know, Ellen, which is like the heroine of the show. And I, I disagreed with the way he interpreted them. I thought... You know, she was way more powerful, and I thought the vampire was way more evil. And and then uh, I thought the Holy Spirit at that moment just say something to me like, now, okay, do something with it then, now. And I didn't know what that would look like, uh, but I looked at what I had, and ultimately I wanted to write music for it. I told my wife I would when we were dating, you know, and she fell in love with me. Um, <laughs> but but uh, I didn't have an orchestra, and I looked at what I had, and I had some friends in Brazil that were great artists, and so I hired them, and they worked. We worked together to create a comic book called Curse of the Vampire, where you would just read the the, the comic book, see Nosferatu in comic book form, and then at the end, it would explain the allegory, explain the meaning of it. And um, we, we, I commissioned them, and it was great. We came out with this great comic book, and. My wife was a little upset with me over it because I devoted a lot of time to that. And I'm a composer, not a comic book guy. But she prayed about it and felt a peace that just let him do it. He needs to do this. And I pitched this comic book to a, a festival 
in Poland called Slot Art Festival. I've worked with them many, many times. And they're, it's like a Christian-ran secular festival. They, they blend artists together uh, of different beliefs and give platforms to different speakers to speak on different spiritual things. And I, I pitched it to them like, hey, show Nosferatu. It's very famous, has a huge cult following uh, globally. And then translate this comic book into Polish. People will read it. They'll hear the gospel. It'll be fun. It'll be very different. And they said, yeah, that's a great idea, but it'd be better if there was live music. Can you write music for Nosferatu? And then we can perform it together. And I I was in shock, but I said, well, yeah, I haven't done that in a long time, but I could. And I, But I don't have an orchestra. And then they said, well, we have a volunteer youth orchestra that happens every year and we feature an up-and-coming composer. You could be that composer for 2018. And... I couldn't believe it. Like I was just handed an, a 70 piece orchestra to work with for the very first time. <laughs> they didn't know that at, at the moment. Uh, and a movie and a performance for on a, a huge stage to headline the entire festival, perform for, before thousands of people at the end of their festival. And so I said, okay. And I started writing the music for Nosferatu with character themes, emotional themes for a full orchestra, full choir, uh, industrial percussion, electronica. Again, going into the style of the, the, the cult following of people that really love this movie. And I love this movie. I'm not, it's not just like me and them. Like I'm in that scene. Like I love this movie. I love the style of it. So that's, then I, I did Nosferatu there. And the Music Box Theater then said, hey, if you can do it in Europe... You can do it here in Minneapolis. You just got to find an orchestra. And somehow, by some miracle, I gathered a 35-piece orchestra last year and then a 50-piece orchestra this year, and we performed it at the Music Box Theater. Um, and it's just been, it's just blown my mind that I got, I get to do that now. Like, I'm doing what I gave gave up, but this time not as part of the rat race this time not like pursuing my dream but pursuing god like this time i'm doing it with total just god's doing it all like i i I can't put together an orchestra who does that a volunteer orchestra uh i can't do that i mean i and i I, then this film like having opportunities to do it in europe multiple times at this festival and this german festival and other places i can't do that like i'm a street performer who am i you know and yet somehow it's happened. And um, I'm just in shock that I get to actually do now what my dream was, but for a much more higher purpose. You must have been beside yourself when they're describing this festival in Poland. That's going to include you, a 70-piece orchestra, and pretty much you're going to be the, uh, you know, the, the highlight of the show. Yeah. You I'd must have been with pinching them. yourself. I'd, I'd, well, I've worked, I'd worked with them many times with the Suitcase Sideshow. So you talk about being faithful with little before yeah. you're given much. They'd seen me do workshops and do the suitcase sideshow for many, many years. So I guess they trusted me with taking this giant step after just doing that little thing for a yeah. while. So, Philip, Kill Your Art, your book, A Street Performer's Guide to Being a Messenger of Jesus Christ, who specifically is this targeted to? If, if, you're, um, if you're not a street performer, 
still going to be a great read, isn't it? Any artist. Any artist. Any artist that wants to surrender their art, surrender their art to the creator of the universe. Yeah. And I would love for you to uh, um, just give a little inspiration to probably some parents and grandparents have kids listening to this show, mm-hmm. and they're trying to figure out how to take their gift and become rich and famous and mm-hmm. go to Hollywood and all that. And there's mm-hmm. probably something tugging at them as well. Am I going to be glorifying God with what I'm doing? Man, do you want to change the world or do you want to just like make some cool stuff and get some pats on the back? And, and you know, fans are fleeting. They they are, you know, and you got to fall in love with your audience. And if you're going to fall in love with your audience and fall in love with just people in general, then you got to show them that they're loved and you got to really try to bring them something that's meaningful, not just a nice experience and then off to the next yeah. and off to the next. Something that's meaningful that they won't forget and will impact them forever. And if you, these are like deep, deep questions, who, who can answer those questions better than God? You know, who loves the, everybody more than God that he would send Christ to die for us? Like, this is deep stuff. So if you want to really impact people, who can impact people better than the love of God. So why not partner with the creator of the universe with your art? Uh, it, it's way more impactful. It's way more meaningful. It's way more exciting. It's, it's a way bigger adventure. Uh, and I would just challenge everybody, just ask that question, like, God, what do you want me to do? This is what I have. These are my loaves and fishes. What do you want me to do with that? What does that look like? And it's going to look different for everybody, but that's the exciting part of it. I never, I never thought 10, 15 years later from becoming a street performer that I would all of a sudden be leading 70-piece orchestras on different continents, presenting a famous classic horror film, now with, to present the gospel, and then seeing like the fruit that I'm seeing. This last show we did, we saw a girl who was suicidal, and she saw Ellen come back from the dead in the movie, and that she just felt something powerful come over her. When we, she came up afterwards, we prayed for her, and she said, the part of me that wanted to kill myself is now dead, and I, I want to start a new life in Jesus. <laughs> like, that's what it's all about. Like, who doesn't want to ever create art that can do that? Yeah, that's you know? the most like, powerful art that's in the, the world. Most, yeah, that's the, that's the biggest success story I think you can have. Not just save a life, but save a life eternally as well. That's not me. I mean, that's that's when we partner with the creator. So that comes through prayer. That comes through fasting. That comes through it being in the word. That comes with aligning yourself with the Father, just as Jesus did. And then seeing people how he sees them. And then creating something, just as Jesus would tell a story. Creating a story that can speak a language and speak to the culture in a way that really makes people think. And not just... Not just for laughs, but like really get them to think and understand hard questions about life. Mm -hmm. You have really inspired me, Philip. Uh, For listeners, is there a website they can go to to see some of your work? Sukesideshow.org, CurseTheVampire.com. You can find Kill Your Art on Amazon as well. Awesome. Philip, you've been a great guest. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you for having me. This is super fun. Thank you. Philip Shorey's been my guest. Kill Your Art, again, is the name of his book, A Street Performer's Guide to being a messenger of Jesus Christ. Thanks to Philip Shorey for coming into the studio. And uh, I just pray your blessings this weekend. I hope that you have a fantastic, restful weekend. 
That wraps up the show for the week. Thanks for listening. Thank you for supporting Faith Radio. It's Friday, so you know it's time to ring the bell. See you next week.